if you'll turn with me in your Bibles uh, to 2 Corinthians 11, as we continue our journey together through this amazing book, a series we're looking at seeing God's power in the midst of our weakness. Uh, what an amazing, gracious God uh, that he'll take our brokenness and make a beautiful picture, tell his story through it. It's incredible. So let us begin and just turn our hearts and our minds to our great God in prayer. Let us pray together. Father God, would you please come? We know you're here. We're worshiping you. But now as we open up your word and preach your word, Father, may I stand upon nothing but Christ, the solid rock. May we see no one but Jesus. May we hear from none other other than the Savior of our souls and the shepherd of this flock. And if I fall, let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you in a way that none of your people are harmed. So come and speak through a broken sinner that desperately needs to hear the message in which he's about to preach. Father, use it to make us more like our hero, our champion, your son, Jesus. We pray in his powerful name. Amen. Corona Morales. Corona Morales. It was, it was a term used for a, an award. It was actually literally a crown. It was a crown given to the first Roman soldier that was able to uh, take the wall of a city that was being besieged. It was, it was an amazing honor. As a soldier, you wanted to make sure you were, you were aiming for that. I mean, to, to be able to wear that crown, to have that corona moralis in your possession meant that you were like ultimate hero, ultimate warrior. First one up and over the wall. First one to be in to enemy territory. It, it was such a distinguishing honor that they wanted to make sure that it really was given to the right one. I mean, you've seen battle, right? At least battle scenes. I mean, the heat of battle, it's chaos. And who's the first one really up over the wall? So it wasn't given away until there was really a, a, a strict uh, procedures to make sure, were you really? And sometimes it was given in death. And they would have to swear on their gods that they believed in, that yes, I was one. It had to be verified that they were the first ones over the wall and received the Corona Morales. You can Google today. Maybe go home and Google a, a picture of Corona Morales. You can see it looks like a, a wall that was scaled that that champion warrior would wear in pride. It's interesting because the Apostle Paul is going to call himself a warrior. He's going to call himself a soldier. He's going to call himself a soldier for Christ, a warrior for the gospel. But it's, it's really a completely different kind of warrior. As a matter of fact, in like 2 Timothy 2.3, he tells all of us who are Christians that we're to be good soldiers for Christ Jesus. 
I mean, it's in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6, where he's going to use that, that warrior-soldier motif to describe the way we should live our lives. He says in Ephesians 6 that we're to put on the, the full armor of God. And put on this armor of God as we battle against the enemies of God. But what a different kind of warrior he is. Paul, we're picking up Paul here in 2 Corinthians, where he is boasting about his ministry. He's boasting about who he is as a soldier for Christ. And as he's boasting, he's saying, all of who I am and all of what I do, it's, it's shrouded in weakness. Paul's going to boast in his weakness. What kind of warrior boasts in his weakness? What kind of warrior boasts in the kinks in his armor? What kind of warrior is going to stand up and say, well, yeah, I'm a warrior for Jesus, but let me tell you the truth of how wimpy I am. Matter of fact, you're hearing rumors about it, and they're true. I mean, listen, warriors in his day, those, those warring, those uh, Corona Morales, I mean, they boasted in their strength. They boasted in their victory. They, that was everything that they had to boast in to, to kind of justify their existence. And, and the crazy upside-down gospel of Jesus Christ had Paul boasting in something completely different, his weakness. In an amazing tongue-in-cheek moment, Paul is going to tell us about who he is and what he's done. And he's going to tell us that I, too, was the first over the wall. Paul is going to say, I was the first over the wall. But they put me in a basket. They put me in a basket to hide And they lowered me over the wall, not the first to scale it in success and try. I was lowered over the wall in defense to run away. What an amazing upside down gospel. And Paul dripping with irony, knowing that Corona Morales and the crown for the one first over the wall was sought after by a different kind of soldier. He was going to say, I'm the guy who's really a basket case. You see, there's an amazing difference between gospel strength and worldly strength. There's an amazing difference between what the world would say is weak and what God says is weak that could become strong. And as we're going to begin, we're going to look at this, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ, listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ was for basket cases like Paul. Good news. You a basket case? Good news. That's what the gospel is all about. Good news, the gospel's for basket cases. There's more. The gospel takes basket cases and transforms our weakness into God's strength. It's it's through our weakness and our brokenness that that God can be seen as mighty and all-powerful. And there's even better news. Listen, not, not only is the gospel for basket cases, and, and not only does the gospel transform weakness into God's power, But the gospel is so powerful that it shines. The good news of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Listen, that gospel can shine through our weakness in a way that tells God's beauty and the beauty of his story. So that's where we find ourselves today as we open up God's word. We'll see a gospel for basket cases. We'll see a gospel that will take weakness and make it powerful in Christ. We'll see a gospel that beautifully tells 
God's story through weakness. Let's go to God's word. 2 Corinthians 11, it's listed for you there in the bulletin. If you want to follow along that way, it should be up here on the screen behind me. Uh, Maybe you want to uh, just hear the words this morning. But whoever you are, you're not here by mistake. Wherever you've been, God's got you here for a reason. And we're about ready to read a story that happened a long time ago about a different church in a different time. But the reality is, is that when Paul wrote this, God was doing his thing, breathing through Paul, his very being, his very substance. And so the words we have here today are God's words. They're not going to lead us astray. We can count on them. They're, they'll never uh, be wrong. Um, and so whoever you are, this is for you. The story's for you. And this is what God wants you and me to hear about who he is and what he's done for us in Christ Jesus. Paul is going to continue defending his ministry and even boasting about his ministry, and he's going to play the fool. So let's read God's word together, uh, 1, 2 Corinthians eleven, sixteen through 33. Paul says, Again I say, don't think that I'm a fool to talk to you like this, and this is boasting about his ministry, but even if you do, listen to me as you would to foolish person, while I, while I also boast a little. Such boasting is not from the Lord, but I'm acting like a fool. And since others boast about their human achievements, think last week, those what so-called super apostles. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you're so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything and slaps you in the face. And by the way, anything apart from Jesus' teaching will always do that. I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about two. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the descendants of Abraham? So am I. I mean, Paul's saying you could link me clearly to Abraham. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. And by the way, what he's saying here is both the Jewish authority and the Roman authority, Jewish lashes, Roman rods, have beaten him because of his faith. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. How are you at treading water? And this is before Malta, before he did it again. I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the city and in the deserts and on the sea. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but they're not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. He suffered. Man, did he suffer. Then beside all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all of the churches. 
Who is weak without me feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? He's basically saying, if anyone is led into sin, I burn that they are led away from Christ. If I must boast, Paul will say, I'd rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows that I'm not lying. And here comes the basket case. When I was in Damascus, the governor of the king, Artisus, kept guard at the city gate to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. Let's pray. Father, may we have the ears to hear what you want us to hear today. God, by your grace and for your glory, give us the hearts to understand, the minds to embrace, and the feet to walk in this truth for your glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. First thing we see, you want to follow along in your bulletin, use a crayon, pen, whatever, uh, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for basket cases. You've heard the phrase basket case? So y'all have. I mean, what's a basket case? Apparently, it's a military term. Apparently, it's a term that, that came out of World War I to describe a, a soldier who was wounded in battle. Um, as a matter of fact, back in 1919, in March of 1919, the Syracuse Herald, that paper, Go Orange, uh, quoted and tried to defend or describe what a basket case is. It said this, A basket case is meant for a soldier who has lost both arms and legs and therefore must be carried in a basket. Wow. I mean, what a, what a vivid picture of a basket case. A basket case literally was those who were unable to stand on their own. Uh, one who was not able to stand on his own or one who could not carry himself from, from one location to another. Listen, a basket case is basically, according to this definition, one that is utterly dependent on another. Utterly dependent on another. To stand, to move, and to live. My brothers and sisters, this is who we are apart from Christ. Who we are in God's sight, holy God, apart from Jesus. We are completely, utterly basket cases apart from Jesus. We do not have the ability to stand on our own before holy God. I mean, the God who is. He's amazingly holy and pure. Scripture says he can't just look on sin and not deal with it. He must to maintain his holiness. He's got to deal with sin. And as our new members came forward and they, they announced the reality that all of us should know that in God's holy sight, we are sinners. We haven't done what God has asked us to do. Even love him or love your neighbor. We always do what God tells us not to do with our lust and our, and our flesh. We deserve God's wrath, but such good news, we get God's mercy. Listen, we're basket cases. Apart from Christ Jesus, we, we can't stand God's presence. 
We can't clean ourselves up. We can't try to make ourselves right. Apart from him, emptiness. Scripture says this, apart from him, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. It's worse than a basket case. I mean, not only are we unable to, to move, we're not able to live. That's truly who we are. We're disqualified. We deserve wrath, but we receive God's mercy. We can't even carry ourselves into God's presence. Listen, the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. We are utterly dependent upon another. And that other is Jesus. His righteousness, his holiness, his work for us. Good news for whoever you are. Whoever you are, it's not about being religious. It's not about cleaning yourself up. It's not about trying to have you stand before a holy God. It's about acknowledging the reality that you before God are like me, apart from Jesus, utterly, completely basket cases. But the amazing good news of Jesus Christ is this. The gospel is for us, basket cases. Do you get it? Second thing. The gospel transforms our weakness. God doesn't just leave us as basket cases. That's good news. It's amazing if he just showed up and loved us as basket cases. But the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ, it transforms our weakness into God's strength. You see, the, the gospel has a pattern. The whole Bible has a pattern in which God works, in which God moves. And it always is the same. God transforms weakness into strength. God never goes to the strong and looks for the strong to make them more strong. God looks for the basket cases to tell his story through. You see, it was true of Paul. When he started talking about those things that we don't really necessarily, a Hebrew of a Hebrews, an Israelite uh, connected to uh, Abraham, if you want to go look uh, today in Philippians 3, Paul gives us a resume. I mean, he was an amazing guy. Uh, he was a Pharisee, uh, trained well, born of the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, Paul had the pedigree of a religious guy. Paul had a lot of amazing stuff that the world might see. This is stuff to boast about. This is stuff that will get you a good paycheck. And believe me, being a Pharisee in his day, they were going to get a good paycheck. This is stuff that you want to put on your resume. These are resume building, succeeding things, Paul. And here's what Paul does. He lists all the things that the world would say, that a boy, all the things that the world would say, wow, look at you. And he says, it's a pile of dung. I mean, it's absolutely a pile of dung compared to knowing Christ Jesus. Because all these things the world says, woo, that a boy, those are gold star kind of things. These might be things, Paul, that you put your hope in. These might be things you put your identity in. These might be things you put your security in. These might be things that you think that you get your worth from. You're a basket case, Paul. Absolute basket case who needs Jesus and he got it. That's why in uh, this next week's text, 2 Corinthians uh, 12, 10, he says, listen, I'm going to boast, and here's what I'm going to boast in. I'm going to boast in the fact that I'm weak. I'm going to boast in the reality that I can do nothing apart from Christ Jesus. Why? Because Paul knew this amazing, beautiful gospel. You ready for this? That through our weakness, listen, through our weakness, not our strength, through our weakness, the strength of God is seen. 
I mean, the glory of God is revealed through the broken pieces. And so Paul says, if I'm going to rejoice, if I'm going to, it's not my resume of all the worldly things. It said, I need a savior. And that God uses basket cases to do amazing things. It's not only true of Paul, but it's true of the saints of old. And sometimes we read the Bible and we read about these, these, these heroes in the Old Testament. They seem larger in life, don't they? They hang out in lion's dens and they, they, they survive and they do amazing, strong things and big things. But they too went from weakness to strength. Have you ever been to Lake Highlands Gym? Nice gym. Lake Highlands got a great facility. Can't walk on their facility without coveting it. It's true. It's amazing. But if you've been in Lake Highlands Gym, you, 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 there's a bunch of pictures in there. It's kind of like their, their Hall of Fame. It's like those who had done something great enough while they're at Lake Highland that they have their picture on the wall. I just find it intriguing. I, I try to find those that were graduated in 83, my high school year, and see what they look like and what they did and if I know them, you know, and see how many faces that I, I can remember. Do you know the Bible? has a hall of fame of pictures. The Bible has that kind of thing. Uh, it's in the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, there's a hall of fame of faith, so to speak. Those that God thought were good enough to hang on the wall to say, let me show the world about the heroes of the Bible. And it's something absolutely amazing about these heroes because they too go from weakness to strength. I want you to turn to Hebrews 11. We're going to look at uh, 33 and 34. Hebrews 11, 33 and 34, if you want to glance your eyes over Hebrews 11, you'll see a ton of names that maybe you've heard about if you've read the Bible a little bit. And all these heroes that maybe growing up we had flannel picture boards about. But it says this about them in verse 33. By faith, these people, by faith, by the way, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. I mean, look at these heroes. They shut the mouths of lions. Wow, who in the world runs after lions? Who is crazy enough and strong enough to shut the mouth of lions? They quench the flames of the fire. And they escape, escape death by the edge of the sword. But here's what I want you to see. Their weakness, their weakness was turned into strength. By God's grace and power. God doesn't look for Hercules. God doesn't look for those who think they have it all together and have the most amazing resume and no kinks in their armor. God chooses basket cases and says, let me show you power through weakness. It was true for Paul. It was true for the saints of old. Put your seatbelts on. It's true for Jesus. I mean, it's true for Jesus of God's uh, pattern of transformation of weakness into power. I mean, Jesus uh, had to grow and learn. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me when you read God's word, you get to like Hebrews 5.8. Uh, Hebrews 5.8 will say this about Jesus. Now, don't forget, this is Jesus. So this is the eternal God made flesh. I mean, this is Jesus, the one who speaks and all things come into existence. I mean, this is Jesus, the one who holds all things together. I mean, this is mighty God. This is Jesus, fully man. 
And this is what the writer of Hebrews says about Jesus, is that, that Jesus learned obedience, the, the perfect one, the spotless one, the eternal one, learns obedience to the Father by the things that he suffered. I mean, the things that he suffered through his weakness. I mean, through God himself in flesh, suffering God's power is being manifested and realized. And God's own son is learning obedience through what he suffers. And then in Hebrews 4.15, it says about this, it says that Jesus is our ultimate high priest. And and what does that mean? Well, because we're sinners and God is holy, there needs to be someone who stands in the gap for us. There needs to be someone who mediates for us. We, we need a high priest and the ultimate high priest is, is Jesus. And here's what it says about Jesus. It says he relates to basket cases. He relates to basket cases because in his flesh, he was tempted in every way, everything you face, all the temptations you face, all the weakness that, that you have to live through, all, all, of, all of the brokenness of life, Jesus had to experience in life or on the cross. And now we have, we have such good news. We have a high priest. We have God who sympathizes with our weakness, who can relate to basket cases. You don't think that God's angry with you over your brokenness, do you? I mean, you don't think God's up there saying that you should be ashamed of the fact that you're fallen and human. That's not Jesus. No, no, this, this high priest sympathizes. This, this high priest relates. Is this good news? Is this good news to basket cases? And you know what it says he does? You know what God's doing right now in Christ Jesus? It's amazing. The one who's conquered death the one who's paid for our sins. You know what he's doing right now? It says he's living to intercede for us. That right now, Jesus is before the Father, living to intercede for us, who sympathizes with us, who knows we're basket cases, knows our weakness, and yet continually tells the Father, but they're mine, and I've paid the price, and I love them. Bless them. What an amazing high priest. It's true for Jesus. Listen, there's three things we can do with our weakness. We could cover them up. We could call attention to it. Or we can allow the gospel to transform it. The first one of this, covering it up. Don't, don't deny your weakness. I mean, ever since the fall, ever, ever since God uh, uh, allowed us, man being made in his image, to fall and rebel, we've always wanted to cover up our weaknesses. We don't like showing kinks in our armor. We want to find any fig leaf we can find and cover up anything that might look or seem or be weak. It's pride. And the gospel of Jesus Christ says, don't cover up your weakness. You see, the beauty of our weakness is that it leads us to a savior. It's the reality that we need more. It's the reality that we don't have it all together. You don't have to cover it up. I mean, you live in a world that doesn't want to see it. And you live in a world that's going to judge you poorly and wrongly. But you have a God who knows you completely. And he doesn't want you to cover up your weakness. Second thing is, don't grovel in your weakness. Don't call attention to it. For some of you, you wallow in self-pity. 
Some of you got a story, oh, you aren't going to believe what happened to me. Oh, here we go again, and, and this is going on, and, and you wallow in it. You, you grovel in your weakness. And really, there, there's a sense where you might think it's humility. There's a sense you might think that, wow, you're being transparent. But there's a sense where you really have to examine your heart. Are you groveling in your weakness and self-pity to get attention on you? Is it so that you'll receive empathy from others or sympathy from others? Or is it really to glorify God? Don't grovel in your weakness. Turn to Jesus. Remember, remember what we've looked at. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Such a good news. None of your weakness, none of it, past, present, or future, none of your weakness in Christ Jesus will condemn you. And you are in Christ Jesus commended. That's such good news. So don't grovel in your weakness. Rejoice that it brings you to a Savior named Jesus. So what should our weakness do? Our weakness should buckle our knees before a holy God. Our weakness should buckle our knees before a holy God. And let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, that's a good place to be before a holy God. It should, listen, The reality of our weakness in our lives should cause us to continually, constantly living lives that are repenting and believing. Repenting and believing. God, here I go again. I'm astray. Here I go again. Thinking the wrong thoughts. Saying the wrong things. Doing the wrong things. Seeking my own glory. Here I go again. Forgive me. Forgive me for my weakness. Forgive me for my wandering. Forgive me. Let me believe that Jesus is enough. Let me believe that that sacrifice truly did pay the price for me. Let me believe that I'm your child. Repent and believe. Your weaknesses, my weaknesses, should always lead us right back to that cross and then rejoice in what Christ has done for us and continues to do for us. The amazing thing about our weakness is it allows God's strength to be seen through us. And that's a beautiful thing. I got to tell you, I'm I'm struggling with that part. I am a guy who would love to take fig leaves and cover up weaknesses or use them for my own advantage. I'm just, I just got to just hit pause for a second and just say, you know, (laughs) This sermon kind of came together and clicked. I said, wow, God, this is some really amazing stuff. I'll preach it. You're not going to call me to live it, are you? Because boy, do I want to cover them up. Or use them for my advantage. But God, are you really calling us to use weakness? To show your beauty? Lastly, the gospel beauty of weakness I love stained glass windows. I really do. I love stained glass windows. I love old churches. And I love going in them. And, I, and I, I, the first thing I do to go to an old church, if they have stained glass windows, is I'm going to buzz right over the window and I'm just going to look because they tell amazing stories. I mean, stained glass windows are so, they're so beautiful, aren't they? And it's incredible what they do. They, they take little pieces of glass and, and they put them up into the light. And what they do is tell God's story through these little pieces. And, and I love standing there thinking, wow, oh, what part of the gospel is this saying? Or, or what part of God's story is this revealing? Or how is this communicating God's love? And you know what they say, why they had stained glass windows? It wasn't to make their churches so beautiful and fancy, although it worked. It was for the illiterate. It was for those who couldn't read 
God's word, but must hear God's story. And so if you couldn't read God's word, go to a place that will communicate God's story to you through stained glass, broken pieces woven together. You know, I think this church has the most beautiful stained glass windows anywhere. Do you know what I think this church has the most beautiful stained glass windows anywhere? Because you, you and me are those stained glass windows. I mean, here's the gospel. Here's the amazing truth is God takes yours and my broken pieces and he stains them with the blood of Christ. He takes our brokenness and stains them with the blood of Christ and, and he holds the broken pieces together through the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel. And with God's light shining through us, shining through our brokenness, we see his beauty. And God wants you as a stained glass window to take your brokenness and the truth of the gospel and let his light shine so that the spiritually illiterate will hear his story and know his story. Don't cover up your window. I mean, don't cover up your stained glass, beautiful window that God has made. Don't cover it up. Don't you think you have anything to boast in in and of yourself? I mean, the only way a stained glass window is beautiful if light's coming in from one side and the light is the light of Christ Jesus, the only light. We can't manufacture any light on our own. We are simply broken pieces held together by God's love and the beauty and the love of Christ shining through us to tell his story. Or the light just shines one way. And don't forget as well, each piece each piece tells God's story. You got a piece of God's story, but a piece. And we, Orangewood, we are a mosaic of God's story. We got to be together, bonded together, held together. And, and, and listen, when we come together in God's name and, and our broken pieces are joined once again together through the good news of Jesus Christ and, and we are family. And when God's light shines through, guess who they see? Oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's his story. That God takes beautiful basket cases and tells his story. You see, it's Jesus who won the ultimate Corona Morales. It's Jesus who won that ultimate crown. I mean, crown him with many crowns. Because it was Jesus who was the first one over the wall from heaven to earth. But listen, you don't understand the gospel until you understand that Jesus was the ultimate basket case for us. Lowered to earth in flesh. Lowered as a baby in a manger. Lowered weak and despised. Lowered over the wall in flesh, to be broken so that through his wounds, through his brokenness, we 
could find strength. We could be a part of his story. We could be made beautiful. We could be made his. Pierced for our transgressions. So that through our weakness, we could find a savior. And through this savior, we could find salvation. Salvation only found in Jesus. How is it with you? Is your weakness a deformity to you? Or are you letting the gospel transform your weakness into God's beautiful stained glass window for him? Let us pray. Father, in my flesh, I want to scale walls and win trophies and have my name up on walls somewhere to say, wow. But God, I thank you for Christ Jesus and what he has earned for us and given to us. And God, I thank you for the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ. That it's, it's, it's the good news for basket cases like me who could never stand in your presence apart from Jesus God, I thank you for the gospel being so powerful that you transform our weakness into your power. That God, there's not a soul in this room that you're asking to say, go win it for me because of your strength. That God, you choose to use the weak and the broken to show your glory. And God, you tell your beautiful story through the stained in Christ windows of our life. So God, give us the holy audacity and boldness to proclaim the truth that you know. Disqualified but loved. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Crowned with his crown. To tell his story. Thank you for using basket cases to show your strength and your beauty for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.